The title of this preach is Don't Let Doubt Win. As I was preparing, I felt like God wanted me to highlight doubt. So let's just go right into this. In Luke 12, 22, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says this. Jesus told his disciples saying, listen to me and never let anxiety enter your hearts. Never worry about your needs such as food or clothing for your life is infinitely more than just food or the clothing you wear. Take the carefree birds as your example. Do you ever see them worry? They don't grow their own food or put into a storehouse for later. Yet God takes care of every one of them, feeding each one of them from his love and his goodness. Isn't your life more precious to God than of a bird? Be carefree in the care of God. Does worry add anything to your life? Can it add one more year or even a day? So if worrying adds nothing but actually subtracts from your life, why would you worry about God's care for you? Think about the lilies. They grow and become beautiful, not because they work hard or strive to clothe themselves, yet not even Solomon wearing his kingly garments of splendor could be compared to a field of lilies. If God can clothe the fields and the meadows with grass and the flowers, can he clothe you as well? Oh, struggling one with so many doubts. Then in Psalms 95, 7 and 9 says this, For we are the lovers he cares for, and he is the God that we worship. So drop everything else and listen to his voice. For this is what he is saying. Today when I speak, don't even think about turning a deaf ear to me like they did when they tested me at Meribah and Massa, the place where they argued with me, their creator. Your ancestors challenged me over and over with their complaining, even though I had convinced them of my power and love, and they still doubted my care for them. See, the Greek word for doubt is distazo, meaning it's to waver, to doubt, to hesitate. Bible commentaries say it's choosing a double stance, going two different ways. It means to halt between two decisions. See, doubt causes us not to see from his perspective. See, doubt caused Abraham to have Ishmael because he thought God needed a hand with the promise. Doubt caused Adam and Eve to eat the forbidden fruit in the garden. And what's crazy is that according to Google, there are over 2,000 different edible fruits, yet the enemy makes them focus on the one that they couldn't. And doubt causes us to sink when we take our eyes off Jesus. And I honestly believe this morning, God is challenging us as a family to not let doubt win. Doubt is a robber of destinies. Doubt causes us to close our hands. Doubt causes us to play it safe. But most of all, doubt causes us to disobey Jesus. And I'm overwhelmed that God is not only a God who can supply our needs, but he's the God of overflow. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, family, wherever you're at right now, that God is a God who is merciful. He's a God that wants to provide. 
And sometimes he wants us to address this issue of doubt. So let's turn with me to, my, to the Bible and we're going to go into the key scripture I really felt God wanted to highlight. Let's, let's look at Matthew chapter 14. Reading from verse 22 in the Passion Translation. And it says this, As soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake. And while he stayed behind them to dismiss the people, after the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up to the hills to pray. And as night fell, he was praying alone to God. But the disciples who were now in the middle of the lake ran into trouble, for their boat was tossed about on high winds and heavy seas. And about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. And when the disciples saw him walking on the top of the water, they were terrified and they screamed, a ghost. Then Jesus said, be brave, don't be afraid. I am here. Peter shouted, Lord, if it's really you, then have me join you on the water. Come and join me, Jesus replied. So Peter stepped out into the boat and began to walk towards Jesus. Now I want to stop there for a second. They're in the middle of the they're in the middle of the sea. They're going through this massive storm. At four in the morning, Jesus starts walking on the water. And I felt like God highlighted to me that there's people right now. In your living room, you're going through storms and, and you feel like your boat is being tossed and, and you're feeling the, the effects of the storm. But can I tell you that Jesus is walking on the water? Can I tell you Jesus is closer than you think? And when I look at this story, I ask this question, why Peter? Why did Peter have to get out of the boat? Why did Peter walk on the water? See, let me paint a scenario for you. Peter was a disciple of Jesus, but before that, his name was Simon and he was a fisherman. Now, I know a couple of fishermen and we all know that fishermen know their boats. In fact, they could walk the deck of their boats with their eyes closed because they're familiar with their surroundings. And yet God caused Peter to come out of the boat. And I feel like sometimes in circumstances of life, God calls us beyond our familiar surroundings and sometimes it looks scary and sometimes it doesn't look all clear but Jesus is calling us to step out of our boats Jesus is calling us sometimes to walk out beyond our comfort zones and I hope you're hearing this I hope you're hearing this in your lounge that God is calling you let's look at this verse 30 it says but when he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and he started to sink. And he said, save me, Lord, he cried out. And I wanted to ask us this question. What about us? Is our focus on the wind and the waves? Or is our focus on Jesus? Hebrews 12.2 puts it so eloquently. It says, let us put our gaze, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, meaning he's the beginning and he's the end. He knows how it starts. He knows how it ends. And it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Verse 31, it says, Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and he lifted him up 
And he said, what little faith do you have? And then Jesus says this, why would you let doubt win? At that very moment, they both stepped into the boat and the raging wind ceased. And all the disciples crouched down before him and worshipped Jesus. And they said in adoration, you truly are the son of God. How many of us know when Jesus is in our boat, our internal storms don't matter because he's with us. When our focus changes, the storms don't matter. The raging winds ceased. They crouched down and they bowed down and they worshipped him. See, worship causes us to shift our focus from the storm and back to our Savior. And in closing, I just, I just want to give you guys some real practical handles. In Matthew 21 21, it says this. Jesus replied, listen to the truth. Listen to the truth. If you have no doubt of God's power, speak out of God's faithfulness. And you can be the ones who speak to a tree and it will wither away. Even more than that, you can say to this mountain, be lifted up and be thrown into the sea and it will be done. We need to speak out of God's faithfulness and our hearts will always follow our declarations. One point from there, it says, listen to the truth. Can I ask you, church, what are you listening to? What are we listening to? Is it bringing us faith or is it bringing us fear? In a time when a virus has gone crazy and it's become a quite a out of control pandemic, are we listening to the voices of fear or are we listening to the voices of faith? See, in John 16, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. He says that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what is his and make it known to us. What voices are we listening to? Then it says in 21, 21, it says, speak out out of the faith's fullness. What are we declaring? What is the confession that is coming out of our mouth? Is it bringing faith or are we encouraging fear? I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's not what a man puts into his mouth that makes him unclean. It's actually what comes out of his mouth. And if our declarations aren't laced with faith, then we need to ask ourselves this question. What are we listening to? And then I wrote down over here, when it says that you could say to this mountain, I want to ask this question, when was the last time we spoke to the mountain? In Psalms 42, 11, David shows us a real practical tool and he says this, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed? And then he says this, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior, my God. David was a man after the, after the Lord's own heart and he knew how to lead himself out of a state of feeling anxiety into a place that he was going to put his trust into God. In Job 4 verses 3 and 4 it says, the word of God encourages us to stand. And then in closing Ephesians 3.20 it says this, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your request, your most unbelievable dream, and will exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly 
energizes you. And I want to encourage you as I'm closing, is that what's going to bring us faith is what we listen to. What's going to bring us faith is what we declare. What's going to bring us faith is us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And in a time of isolation, we can press into God. In a time when the world stops, we can seek God. We can press into his presence and we can seek him right now. In fact, right now, I want to pray. I want to pray for all of us. I want to pray for every of you from the youngest to the oldest. And I pray that we would be a people that would not doubt, but we would be a people that would walk on the water beyond our, our comfort zones, beyond our familiar surroundings. But we would be a people that would take God, that we would hear God and move with God. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for my church family. I thank you for everybody, God, who's listening on this online, Lord Jesus. And Father, I ask you, God, would you impart faith into lounges right now? Would you impart faith, Lord God, that would move mountains? Would you impart faith, God, to hear you, Lord God, like never before, Lord Jesus? Father, I thank you, Lord God, that in times of isolation, Lord God, just like when Paul was in isolation, Lord God, and... He was in prison, Lord God. He wrote half of the New Testament. When him and Paul and Silas were, were in prison, Lord God, they sang hymns, Lord God. In a time of isolation, they, they shook the prison foundations. They set people free. They led the prison guards to the Lord. In times, Lord God, when we feel isolated and, and where the world is where the world has stopped, Lord God, may we look at it as an opportunity for us to hear you again, Lord Jesus. So, Father, I pray for us, God. I pray from the youngest, Lord Jesus. I pray to the oldest, Lord God, that we would be a people, Lord God, that would take you at your word, a people that would get strength and courage because you're a God that is for us and with us. So, Father, we thank you, God. In Jesus' mighty name.